Here's what the spokeslier says. You might hear him say that in just a little bit, how he has worked towards to make sure that the economy works for everyone and not to leave anyone uh, behind. Yeah, that's Biden working hard on that with his intellect fully intact. Uh, this is, though, Larry Fink, uh, the boss man of BlackRock, who is excited to see core energy prices. That's the stuff we use to heat our homes and move about in commerce and, you know, exercising free will and such. He's excited to see those costs going up because... Because of the rising energy prices, we are certainly seeing the green premium shrink quite considerably. And so the amount of investment dollars that are going into new decarbonization technology is accelerating and accelerating very rapidly. And what he means by that, of course, is that scam things like solar, um, like windmills, those things are suddenly appearing more efficient, even though nothing has changed. My questions are these. What does this mean for a 401k, our bank account, our retirement, the ability to pay for our houses, inflation? And how do we teach our kids and young people about the economy? Fortunately, it's not going to be me doing that. Zach Abraham joins us. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America... Here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we should live. Can't wait for our brother Zach Abraham to join us. Chief Investment Officer, Bulwark Capital Management. Big announcement I'm going to share with Zach. A couple things on the topic of the economy. There is going to be a separate economy. I can't count any longer on two hands how many people I know who are now bartering. Uh, we have a bunch of family friends who are bartering. We have friends, new friends we've made who are bartering. Um, just today, walking in my neighborhood, uh, such as it is, it's, you know, it's up in the hills. I ran into a neighbor who invited me to a barter group. Everywhere I look, I see the Lord steering us into this direction of, hey, there's the corruption and the stink and the rot and the fakery. And then there is the things that I've created. I created abundance. Uh, I created family and neighborhoods and fellowship. They've created a metaverse and artificial intelligence and artificial reality. And I invented reality and everything in it. And of course, God invented them as well. But there's going to be a secondary parallel economy. There's already a parallel economy in the country. You know that, right? That if you look at the layers of parallel economies that exist within the country, it's almost kind of stupefying. So take, for instance, this, the Washington, D.C. economy. There are no recessions and there's no depressions. Can't be. Because when they want more money, they take more money. That's a parallel economy. And 
in Atlas Shrugged, of course, it's described as people who make nothing and, and create nothing. Uh, going to others with the force of the weight of the state saying, you got to go through us to be able to create these things. That's a parallel economy. The parallel economy of the mobs, mobbed up people like BlackRock, that's a parallel economy. They're also not subject to recessions and depressions because they have set themselves up to be effectively uh, the treasury and the Fed rolled into one. So I think there's going to be a whole series of parallel economies. The cartels coming across our borders, making billions and billions, and maybe hundreds of billions of those. It's a parallel economy. So I think there's going to be a godly parallel economy. And I want to ask Zach Abraham about that, but I also want to ask him very specifically, what does this all mean for our financial futures? What does it mean for college funds? Um, and it's not that we're going to send our kids to college. Personally, I would make them send themselves if they even want to go. I just think it's a bad bet these days. Oh, junior college. Okay, now we're talking. Find out what you want to do when you get through that. Then don't go to one of the indoctrination centers. Zach joins us in just a second. I'm fixing to uh, have a conversation. This is a tough one. I remember the first time someone came to me and, and invited me to use a program to drop unwanted fat. And the way he very gently tiptoed into that conversation. And I was excited because as hard as I worked out and I always have been a gym rat, that's not true. I took about uh, 10 years off of being a gym rat. And in that period of time, put on 150 pounds of fat. But other than that, I've always been a gym rat. And so I was excited by that because as hard as I was working out, the fat wouldn't come off. The muscle was there. That was cool. So there is a brother at church and I see him limping and I see him constantly having food that I just know is poisonous for him. And I'm working up to how do I approach this? He's not a listener to the podcast, or at least not to my knowledge. How do I approach this? And the thing I think I'm going to do, because it's true, is it reminds me of my dad. His profession, similar to my dad's profession, his size. They're both from the same area and both have a real passion. My dad had, this man has a passion for kids. I think I'm going to broach the subject that way. And then I'm going to tell him about Soda Weight Loss at SodaWeightLoss.com. It's the same thing I do in the podcast. It's a little tougher in that I don't know this man well, but then again, most of us have not met. And I guess what I'm telling you is, even when it's going to be a, you know, a nervous, for me, nerve-wracking conversation, I'm going to bring it up because I'm concerned about this guy. Because in his case, I'm thinking 200 to 250 pounds of extra fat. And I know what that's like. And he's a beautiful man. He's such a godly man. So please don't ever let anything convince you that carrying extra fat on your body makes you anything other than someone with extra fat on your body. It doesn't mean anything about who you are and your, your father in heaven loves you. And so when I go to him with soda weight loss, I would do the same with you. There's no difference on the podcast and off the podcast. I believe very strongly in what they do. Healthcare providers from way back, 7,000 Google reviews, average 4.8 out of five stars. It's soda weight loss. At SotaWeightLoss.com, S-O-T-A stands for state of the art. 
All right, here he is from Bulwark Capital Management, Chief Investment Officer, my brother, and uh, very, very responsible for, uh, respons- at least at least co-responsible, which means, by the way, Zach, that you're also to blame for the insane things I say in the show. But it's very responsible for helping us to get to this point. Zach Abraham joins us. Welcome back, my brother. What? You there? Oh. Hey, yeah, yeah. no, I, I, nay, I made it. I made it. All Thanks right. for having me on. No, always good to be here. I'm looking, I always look forward to these talks. I know. I, Believe I, it or not. I, I think you're sincere in that. Uh, I have a great time. We get a lot of very good comments. There's a lady now because we've had some rough um, topics to cover, like you know, kids getting, you know, chemically and surgically mutilated and the teaching of sex ed. She says she's only going to listen to us now, you and me. Uh, she's like, the other stuff's too hard. And she's been with me for years. So that's fine. I think she'll come back. Um, I want to share with you, and uh, there's things I can say and that I can't say, but I've been telling the podcast family that there's going to be some changes. Um, I executed an agreement uh, to take the podcast uh, to a national radio show. And yeah, and I'm not going to reveal the company yet. Um, we spent a lot of time talking to a lot of companies. We had a very kind offer from um, the biggest of the big, but they were there were business terms I couldn't live with. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could not live with any speech codes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I needed to know these are companies that take employees back, like in terms of the injection stuff. Um, and I'm not going to be an employee. You know, we're going to continue to own the podcast. And uh, so we inked, man, isn't that funny? Back in the eighties, you inked a thing. I'll say it. I'll say it in in formal terms. I executed the contract this past weekend, and so what this means is we're going to be in, given an opportunity to get the show in front of a lot more people. And and for me, that is uh, may it glorify God. May people listen because of the politics, and then realize that they're uh, far from the Lord and they need to come to the Lord. So Zach, uh, thank you for being a big part of that, man. Hey, I'm. <clears throat> I taught us been nothing but a blessing from us. And, and the other really cool thing to see is uh, one of the reasons I jumped at the opportunity when we first had this conversation and you told me that you were going out on your own um, is just that the, the experience I've had at Bulwark building Bulwark with the people I've built it. It's not just me um, was that, we did it for all the right reasons and we held God's hand the entire time. And, uh, even if it seems far out there at times, which it feels like that at times, um, it's been this unbelievable journey of discovery. And I had the same feeling the day that you called me and said that, that you were going out on your own. And, you know, once you, I think, accept the mission, right. That God puts down in front of you and you, you stare into the great beyond and you don't know what's going to happen, but it's just my hand and yours. Yeah. That's when great things happen. My skin tingles even talking about it. Yeah. And uh, I am not surprised at all that this is the space and, or this is what's happened with you with the show. And I'm not surprised at all. And look at the way, it, look at the way it works because you now have a larger reach than you did prior, but it's completely on your terms you're in God's terms. Right. And, um, I, man, I just feel blessed to be a part of it in a small way. And, and, um, I'm just looking forward to seeing where you go. And, and one of the biggest reasons for it too, is just the truth, right? The thing that we need the most, a proprietor of truth. And when it's politically inconvenient, you're going to tell people the truth. I always tell that 
people go, what is he like off, off air? And I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> they go, well, you know, is he like, and I go, oh, they're, they're literally, there is no onstage persona. That is just you, you know? And, um, anyway, so happy, man. So, so proud of you too. And, and I just, I'm, I'm proud and, and very, feel very blessed to be even a part of it. So well, thank you, brother. Yeah. It's, it's, um, man, I also am signing up tomorrow for an internship, uh, to become a pastor, which, oh, wow. I, that's one of the reasons I left, you know, radio back in the day, but I realized I've got a whole lot of spiritual maturity to gain before I can do that. So thank you for that. I, I want to get down to this conversation we were going to have about teaching kids about finance, but there's so many things uh, that have gone on. And first of all, I want to, I want to compare two pieces of audio. I, I played this. I think you heard this just at the top of the show. This is uh, the very fine person, uh, Ken Fink. Um, is, is, is this name Ken or am I getting the, the no, Larry. Larry Fink, Larry Fink, the Black very Rock, fun, yeah. yeah, Larry Fink, a super good guy has, I mean, <laughs> loves everybody. <laughs> so Larry Fink is, um, one of the proponents of, if not the author of the ESG score and Larry Fink's company, BlackRock was the one who conceived a couple of years before the COVID flu. Hey, um, why don't we have the authorities, uh, go ahead and, and conjure, $360 billion and purchase corporate debt illegally, but do it twice. They conceived of that. Um, they're buying up neighborhoods, entire neighborhoods. He is a proponent of having lockdowns because of the weather. Uh, he would like to have credit cards track your spending so that you buy things he likes you to buy. And mm -hmm. this is Larry Fink talking about uh, how good he feels that core energy prices are going up. And I think that thing with the, that, that unfortunate uh, uh, Reuters said it was a spill, a leak in that pipeline, some kind of wacky leak uh, is going to make energy prices go higher. Because of the rising energy prices, we are certainly seeing the green premium shrink quite considerably. And so the amount of investment dollars that are going into new decarbonization technology is accelerating and accelerating very rapidly decarbonization technologies uh that man every word that came out of his mouth came out with carbon and mm -hmm. explain the green premium i mean I, th I think we get that there's the apple premium but the the green premium he's speaking of uh, if i'm not mistaken takes truly inefficient forms of energy like solar that takes you know 30 people per kilowatt uh hour to produce and it makes it comparable to oil which is like three people per kilowatt of hour, something like that. Right. Right. So what he's, <clears throat> and man, this is, yeah, my mind is spinning while I'm sitting there listening to it because Larry Fink is not dumb. <laughs> I can promise you that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> not a dumb guy, but, but, you know, I think that, I think these guys get to a point where, and, 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 and I'll answer the green premium thing, but I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. And, and I think one of the greatest, now, for those advocating that we should be back on a gold standard, mm -hmm. <clears throat> there, there's a lot of really good reasons why you shouldn't be. Um, but I do believe in having something that holds governments accountable, right? Be, having some type of monetary peg or, or, or standard backing asset is kind of like a report card for, yeah. for governments. So I believe there should be something. But one of the things that concerns me about there being no gold standard or no standard of any kind now is that if you think about it, what used to drive the economy was increases in productivity, right? Somebody comes along and figures out how to build this widget with $3 instead of six. And now that other $3 that used to go in the production of that widget 
it can now be deployed and invested in another new technology, right? And that's how things advance. Um, that used to be the source of profits and, and it is still the source of some profits, but, and I think that this green movement has a lot to do with it. When you unanchor a currency from a monetary anchor like gold or like silver or oil or whatever the case may be, it, the, the, the drive to create more productivity should and does take a back seat to the proximity to the printing press. Right, so the, the same way investors used to pursue increased productivity as the source of profit, why do that when you can just say the right things at cocktail parties and put yourself in direct firing line of the printing press, right? In the smart guys chase where the money is. It's like, you know, uh, Jesse James, why do you rob banks? That's because that's where the money is, right? So <clears throat> I think that has a lot to do with why these guys say what they do. I, I, I sit there and listen to Larry Fink and go, so Larry, you think this is a, what he's talking about is kind of, I guess the easiest way to explain it. And I know you understand this, Todd, but just for the lay people, think about flat screen TVs when they first came out, you know, they're $15,000, yeah. $20,000, right? Yeah. Well, as the technology becomes more ubiquitous and the supply chains start ba breaking that, you know, baking that in the cost of those things drop, right? It's that technological premium. And so what they're saying is that <clears throat> the green energy technology, as it gets better, will follow in line with other forms of technology and just get better. But there's a problem. There's a molecule problem there, right? See, to some extent, what he's saying is correct, right? Those technologies will get better over time. But you're dealing with multiple technologies that have to improve at a pace that is literally scientifically impossible to make them feasible on the timeline you're talking about. For instance, it's not just the power generation. I, I got into an argument with a guy that goes, hey, 10,000 square miles, so one-tenth or one-twentieth of the, of the uh, size, and I can't remember if that was correct, 1,000 square, 10,000 square miles. Anyway, it, was, it ended up being like one-tenth of the area of New Mexico. And he's like, you can build a solar farm and it can power the entire United States. And I just started laughing and I said, well, it can power the United States during the day when the sun is shining. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I said, and then I said to him, I go, and you're also not factoring into this, the power degradation that happens when you ship it over long, long distances. Right. So if we send electricity, which we do from the state of Washington down to California, you've got 40% power degradation by the time it gets down there. Right. So the, the, it's, it's this classic green energy thing where they tell you this one thing, but they don't tell you the five things that make what they said just untrue. Right. Right. So he's talking about the green premium. Yeah. It's more expensive to develop it. And I look at him and go, okay, so let's say you get down to the point where they match, which I don't think you're going to, but let's say you do. What do you do about storage and what do you do about power transmission? What do you do about baseload power? Right. I, it's just, and what do you do again, with the, the cells burnout? I mean, you're talking about 10,000 square miles of solar cells. Number one, you bake birds. Uh, and and right. like if a bird gets, can you imagine flying along and you're a happy bird and you're like, dang, it's hot. Boy, it's so hot. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're like your, your, your wings are flaming and, and you're falling yeah. into a big frying pan. 
So there's that. No, it's like the cartoons, right? All of a sudden it just shows up and it's all trimmed <laughs> yeah, up and yeah, roasting exactly. in the pan, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, I guess if we were eating the birds, that would be another thing. But then when these solar cells burn out, I said that to a guy one day. I said, well, you know, but then there's the problem of these things are largely non-disposable when the solar cells burn out. And he said, what? Yeah. I said, yeah. Dude, or, or, wait a minute. Or, or, you I, think that these are, these are the perpetual motion machines? <laughs> <laughs> it's like an everlasting gobstop, gob, right. gob, gobstopper, right, right, from, right, from Willy Wonka. Right. Well, here's another one. I, I, I was down in Palm Springs this weekend uh, with a few of our employees for a, for a little golf tournament that we go to. And um, I was looking as we were flying into these fields and fields of, of, um, uh, of the, the wind turbines, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> in that part of the world, the biggest draw for electricity in Palm Springs comes during the summer. Well, another thing that happens there in the summer when it gets really hot is the wind dies down, <laughs> right? So I'm looking at these fields of yes. these wind turbines and one out of 15 is actually moving. Yes. And it, it's moving at an extraordinarily slow rate. And again, I, I don't have a problem with, but just it, this is again, third grade diplomacy style thinking. Guys, as supplementary power, I'm great. I'm with you. But now when you're going to start saying that this is how we're going to do it, if you're, yeah, this is nonsense. Right. You're in la-la land. So we should talk a bit about how to transfer uh, some of this stuff into the heads of kids. I, I, and we will do that with Zach Abraham. I want you to hear the spokes liar from the White House, Zach, because it's really weird. It's almost like um, Larry Fink and she are on the same messaging platform. I don't know how that would happen. But it's almost no. like she says, yeah, I know. Oh, and you got to hear it. Since you mentioned Florida, before we get to the spokes liar, it's a, a slight distraction, but you got to hear the, the figurehead's advice for people in the in the harm's way, in these insane hurricanes. You, you won't believe this. Oh, my goodness. This guy, he's the chief investment officer, Bulwark Capital Management, and I didn't plan it this way, but look, my computer says I get to talk about his company and make him blush. Uh, Bulwark Capital Management, one of the things, uh, many things that Zach's told me over the years um, have stuck with me. First of all, this, that he shared with us on this podcast very openly, that he and his wife have 90% or so of their net worth um, tied up in, in this company. Uh, uh, and and that's, that's a big deal. Because I'm telling you right now, Larry Fink, right? Uh, he's spread out all over the place and he's not doing the things he's telling you to do. Zach and his wife are. That's a big deal. Other thing that Zach told me one day, this blew my mind. It was like, and I actually asked him, do you want me to remove that later? He said, no, uh, is yes, we think that you should, if you're 15, 10 to 15 years, 5, 10, 15 years from retirement, you shouldn't, you should let us steward your money at Bohr Capital Management, knowyourriskradio.com. And he said, but not all of it. Because what if we have a bad year? Said, oh my gosh, a capitalist saying, don't give me all your money. What are you, a crazy person? But then there's the consistency of the information. And for years, a decade, you know, he's been talking about this inflationary environment. Did you see the housing costs? Um, I'm looking at seven and a half, seven and 7.8% 7 in some markets for, for mortgage loans. When we got our loan here, it was 2.8. Insane. Uh, and Zach has been clear about that. So here's the deal. Um, when the storm is across the country, like Florida, we can think about it and pray for people, and we should, and we are, and you're not at risk. 
But when the winds start blowing and trees in your neighborhood are coming down, it's because the storm is near you. So the closer you are to retirement, the closer you are to it being super risky. So get with Zach Abraham, Board Capital Management, entirely focused well on risk management. That includes profit taking, of course. But profit taking is not that great when you get a big hole in the buckets at the end of the profit. Where'd they go? There was a hole in the bucket. Bulwark Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Now the part from the government. Watch this. Investment advice cannot be given under the client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representing Czech Financial LLC and SEC Resident Investment Advisor. Boom! Man, that's a tough one. I, I, I'm proud of pro. myself. Thank you. Right? Pro. Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a pro. That's a pro move. Here we go with um, great advice for people who's, there's, I was just looking at some videos. And now when I was watching this video, this guy's taking footage of the hurricane in the midst of the hurricane and the house comes floating by. And, <laughs> and, yeah, and they're elevated. But then I hear in the background, a little girl saying, Daddy, is that a house? I mean, I don't know that I'd be on the cell phone at that point. You might think you're safe on the third story. See, I'm going to question those risk management decisions there. (laughs) Well, maybe they couldn't get out. But then again, maybe the dad is, you know, trying to show her that everything's cool. So we'll get back to teaching kids about some of these principles. But I just had to have you hear this since you've just been in Florida. Let me be clear. If you're in a state where hurricanes often strike like Florida or the Gulf Coast or into Texas, a vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. Everything is more complicated if you're not vaccinated in a hurricane or natural disaster hits. Let me be clear. You okay, Zach? (laughs) Two two things. Yeah. Um, He said, look, and I don't, I don't mean this. I don't wish ill for anybody. Okay. And I'm not saying that he sounds worse and worse every time I hear him talk. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he's going downhill quick, man. Yeah. I mean, he, it, it, any objective person, if you can't see that, you're yeah. not looking right. Um, the other thing, <clears throat> I, the, <laughs> the science is out, man. The, the, this is like, you know, you knew this. You, I mean, again, I, and I'm not sitting here trying to pump sunshine here, but you've been all over this stuff from the very beginning. Um, and, you know, guys like me, you know, I was looking at the data. It resonated with what you were saying and what, and your explanations of it and your breakdown of it was the only thing that made sense. And you've been dead right. Now the data's coming out. Now the research right. is being released. And I'm sitting there going, what are you talking about? Right. Now you're just completely lying. Why are you lying about this? Right. And, and right? I'm sorry, but silly old man, this, these hurricanes are going to kill people and you want people to go to the CVS, right? You, you want them well, to, to, go, to go get shot up instead of getting out when there's a hurricane coming? And, and this guy at it's least- more, it's, it's more Orwellian every day, Todd. Oh, I like I, I, I feel like I'm reading Animal Farm, where you're sitting there going, "Wait a second, yeah. what are you talking about?" Right. right. I, I, and and the fact that people blindly go with this, it just they're still lining their kids up to get vaxxed and boosted, man. I know. There's still. I, mean, I just read th- a new argument on masks. I just read this guy just today got a whole bunch of retweets saying. 
Um, at least sex is consensual usually, but not with mask wearing. Think of every time you walk into a room and there's an anti-masker that they're forcing sex upon you. Yeah, because otherwise, of course, when you wear a mask, you, you all, all everything you exhale stays in your body. Okay, we've got distracted. It was my fault, but I had to play that for you. So Larry Fink is celebrating the artificial increase in core energy by shutting down uh, petroleum refining facilities, um, this unfortunate accident that uh, the, the, the pipeline from Russia to Europe blew up, unfortunately, because probably we didn't do it, even though the figure had said, yeah, I'm going to blow it up. And even though there were tests in June of these new kind of depth charge things, we went over in those waters and tested those. Even though this uh, Victoria Newland, who likes to call herself Toria Newland, with the State Department, she's one of the ladies who started the coup or one of the uh, operatives who started the coup in Ukraine. She said, we're going to end it. So he says, oh, yes, it's good news. It's, it's really good news. Listen to, you heard him, listen to the spokes liar. Uh, as you all know, these pipelines weren't pumping gas into Europe at this time. Uh, NS2 was never operational, as you guys know. NS1 has not been operational for weeks because uh, Putin has weaponized uh, energy. Hold on, we're getting we to said this part. many times before. This just drives home the importance of our efforts to work together to get alternative gas uh, supplies to you and, and to support efforts to reduce gas uh, consumption and, and accelerate true energy independence by moving to clean energy uh, economy. It's good news because it accelerates our efforts to move to clean energy. So let's talk about kids with this stuff. You mentioned um, molecules and physics, and I think this is a great way to start. So me, if can I, can I, can I, can I comment on those comments? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't wave that in front of me and not right. take a shot at this. <laughs> Okay. okay, so so first of all, here's the biggest frustration I have. Okay. If the if if the if the goal was truly to eliminate emissions underneath the standard, and I can't remember exactly what that standard is, but there's so many parts per million that the goal that we've got to right. It's 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 the green energy version of flatten the curve, right? They got their number that yeah. we got to reach. Uh, <clears throat> when you go do the math, and I haven't personally done it, I've checked it. I've got I, I know people that have. Uh, very PhD level. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you went and took nat gas and some, not even all, not even big amounts, but nat gas, oil, and a couple nuclear reactors. And that's what we started supplying power to China and India on with existing technology. We'd hit their emission goals with existing technology. Yeah. So I think that begs the question. Of your goal really isn't clean energy, is it? It's really not the emissions. It's the transformation of an economy based on what you see fit and your attitude in the meantime, as it relates to the cost, it's the second coming of Marie Antoinette. Let them eat cake, right? That, that's what they're saying. They're saying that we don't care if this financially ruins you. This is what we determine as moral. And we worship at the altar of, of, political power and, you know, thuggery and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, um, yeah that, that, that we're going to pass that cost on to you and we don't care if it breaks you. Exactly. Right. I mean, that, and exactly. That, That's so well said because that it's smart homes. We don't care. We're going to force you to have a thermostat that's smart. We don't care. We're going to force you to have an ESG home. We don't care. We're going to force you to purchase electric cars if you want a new car, because we know sooner yeah. or later the used cars break and don't work anymore. 
We're going to force you. We don't care. We're going to make you buy all new stuff. And if you can't afford that, well, good news, because as Klaus Schwab said, um, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. So yeah. let's, let's, yeah. let's expand into this. I haven't, you've inspired a lesson I want to give you um, or offer you um, as we talk about transferring some of this knowledge to kids. And then I do want to talk about savings because as I'm looking at this, we're, we're going to drop a month of income due to inflation. Does that seem about right? About a month of income due to inflation. Yeah. I mean, you got inflation. Yeah. All right. So we'll talk about that. Guys, there's a lot of things you can control. There's many things you can't. Here's one of the things you can't control is the companies with whom you do business. Um, if you are a coffee fanatic, um, let's go through the places you could buy it. Folgers. Okay. So let's roll that up, right? You're going to be talking ESG. You're going to be talking about wokeism. Uh, what's okay. What's another? Oh, Starbucks. Well, they're insane people. Costco. This, they carry all the brands, but then you have to wear, do these still make you live in the, the bubble when you walk in? Do they still put you in that cloth bubble and, and like you're the boy in the bubble? Or is it now just woke masks? And you know where their head's at. Um, there is a coffee company owned by veterans and they said, we're all about the second amendment. And then Kyle Rittenhouse was about to be um, murdered. And so he used his second amendment. And then they said, oh, forget that. No more. Well, we don't like the second amendment in Kyle Rittenhouse's hands. Then you have bone frog coffee. All right. So God country team, that's not negotiable. Uh, small batch. Therefore, is it a little bit more expensive? Okay. Um, is it's big corporate world? No. Is the coffee made by a legend? It is. It's either guided by or made by a legend. Dave Stewart has started Seattle's best coffee. Did they deliver? Heck yes. And what are the principles of the company? Well, the owner, uh, the CEO rather, Tim is a 25 year Navy veteran. He's a Navy SEAL. He hires vets. He works with veteran-owned companies. And is the coffee stellar? You be the judge. Everyone I've introduced the coffee to loves it. It's bonefrog.us. Please make sure you use the .us. That way, Tim knows I'm giving him a fair shake. He's giving me a fair shake. Remember that the proceeds, some of the proceeds go to the families of fallen Navy SEALs. So you have that. And you judge the coffee. If you don't like the coffee, please don't buy it. If you love it, well, then add up the pros and cons. It's bonefrog.us, bonefrog.us. So Zach, let's operationalize this into teaching kids a little bit. Here is, you inspired this to me. So you know how the kids, they love the macaroni and cheese, right? Just them? <laughs> if I wasn't gluten intolerant, man, I'd be eating mac and cheese every day. Have you had, I'm a sucker for it. Like, have you had restaurant quality mac and cheese from a, from a good mom and pop restaurant? Lately? Bro, I'll one-up you. Okay. I'll one-up you. My wife can throw down the meanest four-cheese macro, no, five-cheese. I mean, she makes it in a big in a big tin, yeah. and you like cut it in like pieces like cake. Oh. I mean, I, I there were nights where I probably yeah. dropped 4,000 calories worth <laughs> in a sitting, and I'm not kidding you. There's a place I here. Mean, we're, yeah, I, I, I've got to try some. Maybe you can ship me some. Um, yeah. On, there's a place here that's a comfort kitchen. And oh. someone was bragging on the macaroni and cheese there. And on a day that my, my beloved pizza place was unexpectedly closed because they had the audacity to take their employees on a, on a vacation. Um, I, I went know. to the, yeah, I, know. <laughs> I went, so here's my idea. The kids and you love the macaroni and cheese. So here's what I would do is go build a fire in the backyard 
and heat up the water, get it good and boiling, and then walk from the backyard inside and just pour that on the mac and cheese. And just, and just, just let it sit there. Mm, that's going to be some good, good taste in macaroni because you have the power loss. And so yeah, it's an yeah. object lesson of how come the macaroni's awful? What do you mean? Yeah. It's green. Yeah. Right. So yeah. We, we didn't use the natural gas in here or we'll do it with solar. Hey, I got an idea. Let's cook the macaroni and cheese with solar. Now, Honestly, that can be done. I have a device that you can focus a big energy beam at, at the food. You can bake that way. There's survival ovens. I have them that can do that. But when you boil the water and take it out and take it back in, these are some mm -hmm. of the lessons I think we need to teach kids is what are the part of this they're not telling you, right? And that's, I think, some mm -hmm. of the ways we teach finance. What, what's another way that, that you teach finance with kids, particularly when it comes to, say, for instance, inflation, um, was I right? We're seeing mortgage rates in seven and a half, seven, two, five, seven, half, even 7.8. Yeah. So the base rate I saw, uh, it was yesterday where the base rate went over seven, but yeah. the base rate is sort of like the fed funds rate. Nobody actually gets that. Cause it's good. You got to talk, you got to tack on the extra costs and things yeah. like that. But yeah, 7%. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean that we, you've never seen a mortgage rate increase at this speed. Uh, and you know, I, we're starting to see it. I, interesting data point came out the other day where the pace of home sales right now in the United States, yeah. it is matching the same level we were at in May, 2020. You know, if you, if you think about that, it was illegal to have an open house then, right? So, so the, the impact of the federal, the, the, the feds rate hikes are really only comparable to the complete shutdown of our economy. Like that tells you the deleterious impacts that these rate, these rate hikes are having. Um, and, and so people that have listened to me on my show for so long, so what is Zach, you don't think you should be raising like that? And I go, no, they should be. Well, I mean, no, they shouldn't be now. The problem is, is we never should have been here, right? We should have started raising rates in 13, 14. Be like, well, we would, the stock market wouldn't gone up as much. And I'd be like, yeah, so it wouldn't have dropped 30% this year either. Right. It, it, and this, Todd, this is not new. This is classic Fed, right? Uh, uh, Bill Fleckenstein is a longtime fund manager and wrote a book called Greenspan's Bubbles. And if you want to have a really good understanding of what happened in the 0809 collapse, uh, Fleck does a great job. I've had him on the show several times. But he refers to the Fed as the they're the arsonist and the firefighter, right? They light the fire and then come riding to the rescue to put out their own flames. And th th this is exactly the case. They're overdoing it again because they're looking at unemployment. Um, but we were talking about the kids, right? Right. If you get me going on the Fed. Right, I, right, right. No, no. I, I think a great thing to do with the kids is you were talking about um, the gold standard. Maybe, maybe it's an oil standard or maybe it's, a, I don't know, a lithium standard. I don't know. But you were saying some it, standard, maybe not gold, but have a standard in your family. And so, yeah. oh, wait, dad. My, my allowance is, my allowance is 10 bucks a week. Oh, yeah. We had some inflation. All, all yeah. my costs. No, I'm telling them all my costs have gone up, but what, what are you talking about? This is $7 and 50 cents. Son, have you seen the gas prices? Yeah. Right. right? Maybe, yeah. maybe peg yeah. it to gas, maybe peg it to, you know, other economic factors. And so you're reducing what I get. That's not fair. Well, yeah. wait a minute. Who said I, fair? What, is that an idea? Right. I, you know, first and foremost, so <clears throat> one of the things I have started doing for a variety of different reasons, I'm now, I don't think I told you this. I am now, 
a coach of a second grade football team. Congratulations. So <laughs> making moves, man. Yeah. I, it, I needed this like I needed a hole in my head right now. Have you got them right? We, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're juicing them for sure. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> but they got the MRA in them. May as well get them some yeah, it's just Yeah. Right. I, that's what that's what I said. I guess you guys are all vaxxed, right? They're like, okay. yeah. And I go, okay, so testosterone is not going to hurt you. Woo! Not testosterone blockers. We're giving them the real stuff. Oh, yeah. So, again, you know, I figure I'm, you know, I'm about as responsible as the average uh, uh, school guidance counselor at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, no. So, uh and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. But one of the things that it reminds me of is talk, right? When you're in the car, talk, talk to them, explain to them what inflation is, have the conversations, explain to them why free markets work. One of the coaches was looking at me and going, well, we don't need to have so much time explaining to these kids. I go, yes, you do. Because when they're not, they're not, not human, right? If you're asking them to do something or, to have a certain belief, explain to them why it's, why it's important. We found, you know, I had a long talk with my son last night about the dangers of looking at certain things and how we need to guide our hearts, guard our hearts and minds and our eyes because, and it was nothing crazy, but some unquestionable things we found on YouTube. Yeah. And I just took that opportunity. He's in fourth grade. So we're just getting into that zone and, um, you know, just, just talking through it with them and explaining to them what's going on. What does inflation mean? So what, one of the things I did to explain to my kids with inflation is um, I can't remember what it was, but I, it was something they all wanted. It was a piece of candy or something like this. And I put it in the table and I gave them each a $5 bill. And I was like, how much will you pay for the candy? And they were all like five bucks. Then I gave them each, right? Then I gave them each a 20. I was like, how much will you pay for the candy? And they were like, well, I'll give you all 25. And I go, do you see what just happened? The more nice. money I gave you, nice. the price of that good went up. Nice. So this is why we can't fix problems by just handing out money because, right. And, and just anecdotal stuff like that. One of the reasons we, you know, I think one of the greatest fears we have as parents and my kids are still a few years away, but I think we all recognize that it goes by so bloody fast these days. It's crazy, but anesthetizing them from college, you know, I think one of the great ways these days is don't go if, you, if you're not pointed in that direction. But for my kids, if, if they're so inclined, if that's the direction they're going to head, anesthetizing them against they, what they learned. I think one of the great things that my parents did that was phenomenal, and that's why it was so, I still remember the day you poked your head into the, the studio and you're like, hey, I want you to come meet somebody. And I got to walk in there and meet Mr. Snurdly. Yeah. Right. Well, and I told him, I've been listening to you on the radio since I was nine years old. Right. And just exposing them. It just seeps into their head. It's common sense. And the other thing is that for those of us like you and people listening to this podcast, by and large, we're people that believe in the truth. Yeah. We know we're on the right side. We might get some details wrong here and there. We're, we're human beings, but we know the philosophy we're teaching them is accurate. So a just exposing it to them and don't leaving anything unsaid, explain to them why we believe in free markets explain to them why America has been the greatest force for good in the history of mankind. And, and we don't have to whitewash it. Explain the country's just like a human being. It makes, and so anytime, by the time I got to college and when I got in college, I, I finished up in 04 and 05. That was really the beginning. You could see the, the wokeness coming in at yeah. that point, but I, I left more bolstered and I went to Pacific Lutheran university, man. At that point we were to the left of UW. I mean, and, and it's gotten, I mean, PLU is out there. Yeah. They call me all the time for it. And I'm my, I'm my wife and I make it a point of pride. We're not giving you a dime. Well, um, well you're acting that way. It, 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not funding that. Right. But it was so funny because I came out of college more bolstered in my opinions and beliefs than before. And I'd take the professors on because if you arm them with the truth, these arguments are so easy to poke right. holes in. And this to me, um, you know, this would steer me to where this show is dedicated to, which is to the word of God. And this is example number like number one for me is what do you own? And this would be the big thing, I think, for the kids, particularly of this generation of, you know, what does stewardship mean? What does it actually mean? Well, we own our house. No, the bank does. Okay, but, but Dad, you paid our house off. Oh, okay, you're right. So we get to use the house, but the state owns it. What do you mean? Well, if I don't yeah. pay the property tax, the state owns it. Right. right? And, and But really, they don't own it either. Like, who made the molecules? You were talking about molecules earlier. Yeah. I think the sooner yeah. that we can get kids to understand you are managing assets on behalf of a God who loves you, who gave you breath. Like, you know, that macaroni and cheese dad made the other day. Remember when I remade it and actually cooked it on the good gas fired yep. oven or got, you know, stove and used all that natural gas and I heated it up right way. Natural gas. I think that if we were to take with our children and really, you know, disciple them as we're supposed to Zach, into mm -hmm. you are simply passing on something the Lord gave you. And when you do that, yes. right, you are, you, you are, you're making the father in heaven happy. But the other thing you're doing is, and this is scriptural, you're opening yourself up uh, to get more from the Lord. There's one single time that God said, test me. Do you remember that in the Bible? There's one time, because remember the Lord Jesus said, do not tempt the Lord thy God. Remember this? Do, do you know what yep. the one yep. time that he said, test me? Tithing. What, what, tithing is about giving. Yeah. It's yeah. About giving. Test me. Mm -hmm. Right. This, so, I tell, uh, this, this, I tell you, test me. I was going to say, I, one of the things that I a firm believer into is having your kids being involved with giving and serving, right? That they see that. Yep. One of the things I talk to my kids all the time that the boys relate to because they're Spider-Man fans Right. I, I tweak it a little bit. Yeah. The biblical phrase, but to whom much is given, much is required. Right. And telling them about living with open hands and how, and you know, and the analogy I use to them is I said, do you guys have any food hid under, hidden under your bed? And they go, no. And I said, why aren't you hiding food under your bed? And they go, why would we need to do that? I go, well, cause the kitchen's always full. Right. And they go, yeah. yeah. And, and I go, and you trust me and mom to keep it full, don't you? And they go, yeah. And I go, okay, so why don't we act like that about our money with God? Right. So our, good, our father, our father owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? We, we act as if, you know, you see it, you, people tighten up when it's time to give to this cause or that cause. And you go, hold on a second. I was giving our employees this talk the other day where I said, man, don't tell me you're a Christian. Show me, right? Mother Teresa used to have that word, spread the word of the gospel with everything you do. And if at all, if absolutely uh, nothing, nothing else works, use words, yes. right? And and I think one of the best ways that we can demonstrate that faithfulness and that reliance on God is by giving and letting the kids see us give and, and, you know, getting them involved in that service. But, but um, and then the thing, one of the thing, not to cut in on you, but one of the thing, yeah, um, yeah. let your kids see you ask for help. Yes. Let yes. your kids see you accept grace from another, right? Yeah. There's a brother at church, uh, older guy than me, and he's got some severe health problems and he wasn't at church for gosh, probably four or five weeks. I speak to him every morning, every, every Sunday. I mean, I'm at church five or six times a week, but for, for service. 
And I was talking to my pastor and said, man, I'm such a bad minister. I don't even know this guy's last name. I speak to him every Sunday. I can't even reach out to him. What if he's died? And he finally came back. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to see you. And, and he, was, he was infirm. And man, he's got those big logger hands. He, is, he, he worked the chains as a, as a man. Yeah, the man. Oh my gosh, he'd break you yeah. in half. And I said, I've been so worried about you. And then he was gone for another couple of weeks. He came back and he said, am I walking upright? I said, yes, you're a little bent over. And then I said, brother, do you need anything at home? And he goes, no, I'm, I'm good. No, but you're not making it a church. I'm worried about you. Do you need anything? Is there anything I can do? Just pray. Beautiful. But at the same time, brother, you're not making it to church. And I think one of the things that we need to do is with our kids, particularly Zach, to be sexist men. Mm. Be seen accepting help. Be yeah. seen, you know, I'm, I'm one of the things I mourn about my dad that being here is my dad was great at listening. And I would like my daughter to have seen me call my dad and gain this advice because our father in heaven's always listening. And mm -hmm. like that pride thing of, well, I don't need help. Well, <laughs> you're gonna, because God will bring you to a point. But I think our kids need to see that my dad, my Superman dad, like a dad like you, who has provided for us and the camp, the, the cupboards are full of food, pantries full, mom and dad take us on vacations, dad works, mom works. They need help sometimes. And where do they turn? Yeah. I think that's, yeah. that's potent. It, it is. And another one that I will tell you that, that I think is specifically insidious with the culture is whenever I hear parents and I'll never say anything, I'm not going to tell people how to raise their kids, but whenever I hear people say, I just want my kid to be normal and happy, mm. it makes my stomach turn. And I tell our kids, my kids this all the time. You were not made to be normal. You were made to be a people set apart and there are going to be costs with that. And a lot of times they're going to be relational costs. You're not going to be the cool person in the middle of the crowd all the time. Right. But, but, and I tell them this, I go, but I promise you, if you're willing to pay, and we pray it every single night, God, give them the courage to be people set apart, lights in a dark world, right? And not doing it the way everybody else is. And we're not like everybody else. We're different. We're called to a higher standard. Yep. And know, and know that that comes with costs. Yep. Right. We, it, it wasn't follow me because the road is wide and there are no bumps. Right. Right. Now, does it lead to a better life? Yes. But how do you define that? more fulfilling, more purpose-driven? Yes. More money and more fun? A lot of times, no. Right? And if you're so blessed with those outcomes, then you're required to give more. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Right? It, it comes with a responsibility. So I think laying out those guidelines when done properly, I, one thing, and I'm not, guys, I fall so short of being a perfect parent. I'm not even close to saying that. But one thing I've learned about them is if you teach them the right foundations, it's amazing to me how quick they'll sniff it out. You know, how quick they'll, they'll come up with yep. the right answer. And it shocks me. I'm like, how did you know that? And they're like, well, you said this. And I go, boy, that's some deductive reasoning for a third grader, you know? Um, and the things, but I, you know, I think, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I think these things catch on. Um, what what yeah. you're saying is it, there's also then this, this example, like, when we started, when we took the show independent 
And this is not my first startup rodeo. And you know that, and the audience knows that. My wife knows that. She's like, oh, good. And my daughter's so funny because when we were getting this started and I was on the phone with my agent and um, my daughter goes, uh-oh, startup dad. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, oh my gosh, startup dad voice. Like, what's startup dad voice? And she imitates me. No, 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 Heather, listen to me. Listen to me. This is going to have to be, I'm going to have to take, I, I got to get points in this thing. I'm, I'm going to have to have materials. I got to, it's, 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 and she's probably got you down dead cold. She has that down. Um, but she then for the first time was truly worried. And it was cause I'm old. It was, and she, no. I saw it. In her, yeah. I said, honey, you're worried. She said a little bit. I said, why? She goes, dad, you have your own radio show. Like my, all my friends in Seattle, their dads knew who you were. Most of them even liked you. Many of them hated you, but most of them liked you. But I, my principal hated your guts. I thought that was so cool. She hated you and she'd never met you and she hated you. And then you remember that time she was talking to you at the, uh, at the dance and you guys had a nice talk. And then I walked over and said, oh, you met my dad and her mind was blown. Like, this is your dad. And she said, you're giving that all up. And yeah, I guess I'm concerned. And I said, but when has the Lord failed us? Yeah. When this Lord ever yep. failed this. And then there was this Zach, and this was a hard one for me because I'm pretty hardwired to duck and cover and get ready for the baddies. Um, yeah. So food storage, ammo storage, and I'm trying to trust more in God than, than chariots and horses. And when we knew we were going to take a hit on income for, you know, three to six months, and you know, some of the outflow that I spent and, and, and you helped us with, but you know, I was writing checks. Oh, yeah. And I increased our giving to church. It scared me to death. And I'm not saying this for pats on the back. I have an audience of one in this regard. May it please Father in heaven. But I truly believe that act of faith is what propelled us into the first like big money making deals and propelled us to this point. And that was a really hard thing for me to do because when you're cutting your income, right, you're going to go to the Lord and say, Hey, I need to take some time off of tithing. And the Lord can go, Oh, okay. Cause I'm not going to keep the pantries full for you. I'm smiling ear to ear. I don't know if you heard me. Yeah. I get excited. I pound on the table. Yeah. Um, so Whenever I've heard that story, I've never heard it in poorly, and I've experienced it firsthand. When, when we started Bulwark, it was a leap of trust. We were not in a financial position to do it at all. I've told my, my testimony on the, on the show before. Um, but my wife and I had an analogy at that point where I believed in God, but I'd never put my faith there, right? Yep. I'd, never, <clears throat> I'd never bet on it. And we had an analogy at the time where we said, listen, what a beautiful opportunity to really test our faith and, and really, and, and make that leap. Yep. And we use the analogy of uh, early airplane flights, right? Like with something like 65 or 70% of the first airplane flights would always end in crashes because of, of stalls. Yeah. Right. And so finally one guy was going down in the stall and he decided, you know what, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. So he pitched the, 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 the stick forward and he dropped the throttle. He picked up airspeed and regained control of the airplane. And from then on, you didn't have, I and so that. that was the analogy we used. Is we said, hey, there's two things that are going to happen. We're either going to gain control of the airplane here, 
or it's going to be a spectacular wreck. Right. But it was that just saying, I will not focus on what the world is focused on. And we did the same thing. There were points in there where we were tithing as much as 40% of our income, giving away money that we didn't have. And it was just because we were, you know, and we still, we're still, you know, doing that, doing those things today and trying to, you know, keep living that way. But when you realize your goose is cooked and God's the only way out, what's an extra thousand bucks going to do for you? Exactly. Right. Right. When it's not, yeah, I was explaining to a buddy at that time. He's like, what are you doing? giving money in a way. And I said, buddy, I don't have the thousand dollar problems. My problems are a lot bigger than that. Exactly. Right. So it's if like, I'm going to empty the, if I'm going to empty the savings account here, I'm going to give it to God because I need a lot more than that. And I need, I need him to fill that oil jar up to the top because right. that teaspoon left isn't going to do me any good anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. My brother, it's always such a pleasure to have you on. And, um, there's so much happening in the world of finance. I know we'll come up with something next week or it will come up with us. And thank you again for uh, joining us and being of always good cheer. Zach Abraham, knowyourriskradio.com, Bulwark Capital Management, and go with God's good grace, my brother. Hey, you too, pal. Thanks for having me on and uh, excited about the next journey, man. It's exciting to, to see you taking and getting back in that world, but doing it on your terms. I think I couldn't be more happy and proud of you. Well, we'll announce the partner and who they are next week and why we picked them. And I hope to have one of the executives on if uh, they can remember how to do radio since they're now big bosses. <laughs> you got to start smoking your cigarettes again. That's right. So Todd Herman <laughs> Show, please go be well, be strong, be kind. And yes, be filled with faith and good cheer. The Lord is keeping the pantries full.